plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. Hi, welcome to AT&T. Hi, can you tell us more about rollover data? Yeah, what do we have to do? Not a thing. If you're a mobile share value customer, your unused plan data automatically rolls over for one month. It's our way of saying thanks. That's so wonderful. You know, let's hug. Oh, oh wow. And we're hugging. All three of us. Really hugging. Ooh, who smells like bacon? Introducing AT&T Rollover Data. All mobile share value plans now come with rollover data on the network with the nation's strongest LTE signal. AT&T, mobilizing your world. AT&T reminds you to never text and drive. It can wait. Come into AT&T now and get a free Samsung Galaxy Tab 4 8.0 when you buy a new Samsung Galaxy S6 Active for zero down. Limited time offer requires well-qualified credit. Must buy smartphone via AT&T Next tablet with two-year agreement and activate wireless service on both early termination and other fees, charges, and restrictions. Apply rollover data on mobile share value plans. Expires after one month or with any plan change and is used after monthly plan data. Visit a store for details. Signal strength claim based only on average for DLTE signal strength for national carriers. Blog Talk Radio. Episode four, we're rolling. Welcome. I feel like it's been a month since since we were last on there. I know it's only been a week. Uh, I am Adam West, joined by Nick Underhill of the Advocate. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick underscore. At, <coughs> excuse me, Nick underscore Underhill. You can follow me on Twitter. Maybe if I let you. That's an inside joke. Um, at Ask Me to Say three two three. Before we discuss anything about the podcast, anything Saints related, uh, I, I would feel remiss if I didn't send some type of condolences or, or thoughts to Charleston, South Carolina, and what happened uh, last night in their city um, re- regarding the crime. So thoughts and prayers goes out to, to the victims uh, that, that that affected. Um, I, I know for, for some, football is, is an escape kind of from reality and things like that, but when something like that happens, it just kind of puts reality in your face. So just right off the top, just thoughts thoughts and condolences goes out to the families and to that whole whole city right now. So that's all I'll say about that. Getting into the podcast, this is actually loaded in terms of news. It's been a week. Things have happened. Uh, mini camp ended today. OTAs last week. Just a plethora of things to go through. Uh the podcast as we're actually we're, we're looking good. Uh, approximately about 300 people plus are consistently listening to the podcast. So that's that just goes up to to you guys and to y'all for for listening. We, we thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, word of mouth is how is how we we get it out. So thank you guys for for listening. Get the word out. Um, I'm, I'm, I believe there was audio issues on, on my end on the last podcast, so change the game up a little bit. We're rocking a headset now. I hope the sound quality is much better. Hopefully, there won't be any any hiccups in terms of that. Um, and for I have a challenge. I'm issuing a challenge right now. If you're listening right now, or if you're not listening right now, if you're listening on the future on iTunes, on Stitcher, on your smartphone, computer, I don't care what it is. If you're listening, do us a favor. Do us a solid. Take a screenshot on your phone. Take a picture of your your laptop screen, your desktop screen. I, I don't care. Whatever screen you're, you're, you're using, take a picture of it. Tweet it. Instagram it. 
Facebook it, Snapchat it. Just just get just get it out there. Uh, and when you and when you, if you're using Twitter like that, if you want to add us so we can see, I'm calling you out. So people who listen to the podcast, and I know you listen to the podcast. If I don't see that being out, I'm calling you out next time. I probably won't call you out, but just just help us out in terms of just expanding. And just getting out to more people, you know, again, we do this for fun. We do this for you guys. We want it as interactive as possible. We want you to call in and talk Saints, and we'll go over things like we always do. But other than that, uh, I don't want to diss Nick in terms of what happened <clears throat> last week. Someone was <laughs> sick or under the weather, had had a could not, you know, the DMP did, you know, did not play, even though the week prior to someone, <clears throat> I'm not going to name any names, are going through the same thing. And still power through. So, but anyway, that said, how are you doing, Mr. Underhill? You feeling better? Listen, man, I've been sitting at home for months. You sent me out into society to go to these OTAs to go to mini camp. You know, I'm just I'm just not cut out for that life right now. You know, I had to work three days in a row, leave my house. You know, I'm trying to get into game shape. If I got to take a day off now and then while I adjust, that's what we're gonna have to do. I wish. I actually had a violin <laughs> sound drop right now so I could play it because my world's smallest violin is, is I'm playing it for you. Cause anyway, um, that said, we have, we do have a lot to get to. Uh, hopefully uh, we, there won't be any, any breaks in, in the action of, you know, right now we're, we're going Thursday at, at 6 PM uh, central center time. And hopefully that, that that's going to be our, our routine going forward. Um, I don't I don't know really where to start. There's there's a plethora of things that we we could address. Uh, I guess the most the most recent thing would be talk if we want to combine last week's I believe it was last Thursday's OTA practice with this week's and it is actual week of practice or at least three days of mini camp observations. Um, from you, we don't have to touch on every single thing. If you want to just particularly just, you know, speak about a player, what you've seen, or just an overall arching theme, just roll with it. We'll, we'll go from there. Well, I mean, I guess first out, we'll, we'll talk about maybe some of the guys that have been, you know, a little bit under the radar since there's always a lot of attention there. We kind of know, you know, the main players. Uh, the, the guy that's really caught my eye consistently, just every day, organized team activities, and then seeing them three days in a row, is probably Josh Morgan. Uh, I, I'm not sure, you know, he's he's going to blow you away, you know, in one moment or one play or one practice, which is why maybe he didn't come up there in OTAs. But like I said, seeing him three days in a row, you just kind of see him building day after day. He catches pretty much everything thrown to him. Uh, they didn't do much today. It was just kind of some special teams work and a, a brief uh, full team drill. But I think eight balls were thrown his way uh, the first two days of practice, and he caught seven of them. And, you know, it, it's kind of just little things. He, he's a strong receiver. He, he gets to his spot. He runs good routes over the middle. Um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how that progresses with when contacts are introduced in training camp and that. But he's a guy that, that I kind of like, and I think he could be a dark horse to possibly win that last job at wide receiver. I, I don't think he'd hook on if he was, you know, the fifth guy or if they keep six guys. I don't think he'd be the sixth guy. He, he'd have to, being a better player in that, you know, he maybe doesn't have as much upside as some of the younger guys. I, I think he's going to have to, you know, finish up as one of those top four guys. And it, it's probably too soon to say that he could do that, but I think he's definitely in the mix there. Um, as far oh, as bigger oh. themes, go ahead. I was just gonna just interject. I remember when we when episode one we were first talking, or even episode just the overarching theme of the early issue editions of the podcast has been the skill positions, and so it's ironic now for thinking about it. Like, does Josh Morgan make the team? Marcus Colson's a lock. Brandon Cooks is a lock. I would say Brandon Coleman, Santavius Jones are locks, and so then you have Nick Toon. Josh Morgan and um, and Joe Morgan. So, I mean, we don't know how it's going to play out in the season in terms of the skill position or the offensive weapons, but it 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 is changing. Of maybe it might not. Earlier it was looked at maybe like something that needs to be addressed, and more now it's we know who the players are, but it's going to be a toss up of who's going to make the team at that position. Where earlier it could have been like a lot that we knew who exactly was going to make it at that position. 
And I'll, I'll say after getting a look at these guys, I'm a little bit more confident in, in what they have at the skill positions now than maybe what I was before OTAs, before, you know, we kind of started seeing the progress that Coleman's made since last year and same for uh, Shantavius Jones. I, I, you know, it, as far as what we've seen, and again, our, our window's extremely limited. It, it's really, you know, five practices. And again, they aren't hitting. But I feel more confident in, a, in Coleman probably than Shantavius Jones at this point just because I've seen more balls thrown in Coleman's direction and his strength, his size. He's, you know, kind of Colston-ish in, in the way he goes about his business. You know, I'm not saying he's Colston, but they're kind of cut from a similar cloth. And maybe Shantavius Jones kind of veers towards that direction a little bit too, which is why maybe Josh Morgan is standing out a little bit because he's a little bit different than those guys. He's kind of more of a, a possession receiver maybe. So I could kind of see him coming in and bringing in a different element if he can win a job. So after these practices, I'm not, you know – the wide receivers and that, they were a major, major concern. I'm a little bit more concerned about tight end now than maybe I was going into this. I just, I haven't seen a whole lot from Josh Hill and maybe it's unfair to say that. Uh, the undrafted guy, Jack Tab, he, he moves well, he does some things well, but you know, I'm not sure he's necessarily the answer there yet. We still need to see more, but Ben Watson has looked good. You know, he, he really showed out in that first OTA, but since then, you know, it's kind of came back down to earth. But he's definitely someone that, that's going to be able to contribute and be consistent there. Who Who, who is out? I'll, I'll try to be as polite as possible. Who has underwhelmed you in terms <laughs> of your your exposure? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same guy we've been talking about the whole time. It's, you know, Kyle Wilson is, is just, He's, he's just not doing it yet. Uh, he's kind of fell down the depth chart through these practices. Wow, here we go. Hello, darkness, my friend. All right, all right, all right. Continue. <laughs> I mean, he, he uh, throughout minicamp, he, he just kept falling down. You know, he was with the first team, and then we saw him with the second team, then we saw him with the third team. And that might just be that, that they're trying to get a better look at Damien's Swan with starters or PJ Williams or even Delvin Bro played there. We we thought he was going to be, you know, just an outside guy, but he played on the inside. And from what I saw, he he looked capable of doing it. I I just don't know. I I'm just not. I don't know. I I just don't know if Wilson's on the right track at this point. It might be too soon to say, but he's definitely went from you know being on the first team in the early OTAs to being firmly on the bubble coming out of minicamp. I, I, this is a question I think uh, if Saints fans are going strictly off of like the tweet updates and, and things like that, it, it's early, super early. Um, but is there? Would you be concerned by say the and no 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 one is in patch right now. That should be a huge disclaimer from Andres's Pete the saying getting beat by Kakaha and in, in practice and it is just practice. Would you take anything no, that, from that? And this is a question no. that I'm asking as a, a consensus from the fans because I think that question might be rolling around in their heads. No, and I, I think it was kind of the dumbest thing ever that people made a big deal out of that because, again, they aren't, they aren't supposed to be hitting each other. There's no contact. At a certain point, someone has to submit on each one of those plays and just give up. So if you got a defensive lineman coming out of an offensive lineman, Somebody has to stop at a certain point before, you know, they're making contact. So maybe Andrews Pete was just being more submissive in those moments and he's not able to, you know, get up in his chest and, and knock him back. So wh- whoever quits is going to be the loser of that play. And if you got media out here saying Andrews Pete's getting smoked by Kakaha, yeah, maybe he was, but there's not a hundred percent effort. So it, it's really, th- that was a really weird thing to me when, when I saw that reaction to that. I, I I just don't know how you can say a guy won or lost or somebody looked better than another guy when they're not hitting. So, no, I wouldn't worry about that at all. If if this was training camp and, you know, you have, like, the the offensive lineman, defensive lineman drills where they're going one-on-one, I could you, – you get a, you can see a lot in that in terms of who's winning, who's losing. 100% different. Yeah, Still 100% made. different. But shorts and, and – I, I read it and I was like, all right. Although – I will say it did make me kind of smirk because if you look at Pete's, you know, cut-ups on dropbreakdown.com against Washington, that's probably like his worst game 
on, on out of his games that they've cut up for him. Just and and Kakaha did get the best of him a couple of times in that game, but just just saying. Um, it let's let's talk about the defense. We were speaking, you were spending time talking about the offense. You you brought up D- Delvin Bro, and you know I believe last week was the week. I believe last Thursday where he had the exemplary OTA session where he was just all over the field. Um, you know, before he got the, you know, what's all all the intents and purposes, the minor, the minor injury, um, but was playing in the slot and sounds like he was playing it well. What are your, you know, what are your impressions of him? And also, what are your impressions of? It feels it feels weird as being a Saints fan. I've I've kind of always conditioned myself to like, all right, we have a good one cornerback, but the second cornerback and the nickel's always going to be a headache. Is it okay for me to be cautiously optimistic about maybe there being like a complete secondary? Yeah, I, I think they're looking legit so far. Uh, starting with Bro, that that practice you brought up, I had him down for like four or five pass breakups and an interception in one practice playing with the first team. He just he looked incredible that practice, and he's continued to look good. Um, Again, the no contact, no bumping, you know, jamming. There's a lot of stuff not going on. Uh, And the picture could change once things become a little bit more physical, but he is definitely on the right path. He's somebody that I think is probably going to be a pretty good contributor for this defense this year. And if he's your number three corner and if he continues on the trajectory he's on right now, I mean, he's going to be a really, really good third cornerback. And if he can get some snaps in the slot, I mean – the guy could be a steal. You know, last year in New England, there, there was a guy named Zach Sudfeld who was a tight end who everybody was super geeked about after OTAs and minicamp. He was dubbed mini Gronk. He got cut. I, I remember all that hype, actually. Yeah. He went to New York. He didn't do anything there. So, you know, you got you to gotta just know that, that guys that look good this time of year, that there's a tendency for them to fade. I don't see that for bro but just, you know, be cautiously optimistic, like you said. As far as the whole secondary goes, I haven't really noticed Brandon Browner much, and that's probably a good thing. You know, I've seen him not supposed to be contacted. I've seen him jam some guys and just drop them right to the dirt. You know, he's being physical, which is what you want to see, that that's who he's supposed to be. And he's not getting beat. He's not ending up in my notebook a whole lot. So that that's a good thing. And, you know, Keenan's Keenan. And I, I think – you know, the safeties, we know who they are. If Bird can go back to being Bird, I really do think that they can be a very, very legit secondary. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. And maybe I'm more than cautiously optimistic. I'm, I'm expecting good things from them. And I would be disappointed if it's anything at all like last year. Uh, I, um, we Something that's kind of been, I guess, I know, under the radar. I don't I don't know if CJ Spiller is really under the radar. In terms of just where he's lining up on, you know, in terms of on the, on the offense, is it like formational or scheme wise? Is he is he being lined up say position like as as a right receiver sometimes or is he being moved around everywhere? I have seen him I've seen him, you know, out of the backfield obviously in the slot split out. He he's kind of you know, I, I think he's going to kind of be the chess piece. And the thing that, that I like the most about that versatility outside of just being able to dictate matchups and, you know, exploiting the defense in different ways by moving him around the formation, if they want to turn into more of a no-huddle team, he's kind of a guy that, that you can put in there and move about and get different looks without having to substitute. So if you want to run the ball, you can have him run, then you can split him out and go with a whole different look. You don't got to slow down and, and race guys in and out. I really, really think that he's going to just kind of change the way the offense operates. They, they talked about that, of, uh, talked about introducing a lot of new concepts, a lot of different things this offseason, and, and those things have stuck. They're going to do some different things. And I kind of think he's the key to that. And Sean Payton was asked about him uh, yesterday, just, you know, if, if he's excited about dreaming and scheming up things for him. And, you know, he cracked a smile, and, and he said he was. So, you get a creative coach with a player that can do a lot of different things. I'm excited to see what they do. It's something I'm, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because something that Sean Payton, I believe he said it, 
last week during the OTAs, and actually, yeah, you did say it because I wrote wrote it on a post-it note for the podcast because I'm a nerd <laughs> like that. <laughs> Is he he was asked a question about the offense, and basically, I don't know who asked it, but basically, the question was the offense is going to be more run-based or run-heavy. And, like, just the way Sean Payton answered it, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's, let's slow down. Like, I think I'm – not, I'm not saying that – I'm not saying that the Saints will become, like, say, for instance, the, the 49ers under, under Greg Roman or anything like that. But I, I – it was it was very noticeable of how he he kind of, like, put a stop to saying, like, we're going to play to the strengths of our offensive, our offensive players. And to me, when I when I when I heard that, I immediately thought, and I think the perfect example of, of if I how I would see the offense being good this season is the game against the Steelers last last year in Pittsburgh. It there was it was very run run heavy run base, but there were plenty of plays of of the offensive weapons, particularly that game with Kenny Stills being used effectively. So I, I know the the narrative all offseason after the Kenny Stills, Jimmy Gam trade, that they're going to focus on run games, going to be Mark Ingram and CJ Spiller and run, run, run. And, you know, the draft with the selection of Pete all set, you know, points that going forward or the, the you know, the arrows pointing towards the offensive shifting towards that. Did you, take anything from Sean Payton's hesitation of kind of just putting the the kibosh on like the offense being completely changed to being a a run heavy offense or did I, am I reading too much into that? I wouldn't even call it hesitation. It seemed like he was like straight up pissed off. that (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to make sure I didn't like, I was like, he just shut that question down. Yeah. He was like disgusted with, with the question altogether. Like, you know, I agree with you. I, I think they're going to run more. I, it's just not, you know, like you said, it, it's not going to be San Francisco. It's not going to be crazy run heavy. You know, Drew Brees is still the quarterback. They're going to throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to flirt with, you know, you know, 4,500, 5,000 yards. I, I, I don't see just a, a complete identity shift. It just might be a little bit more run heavy, but that's not a bad thing. You know, they, they, they got Unger, they got Spiller, they got Ingram back. To, you know, they've invested a lot of money, and there's a lot of evidence there suggesting that they want to be better at the run. I just don't think that they want to be necessarily, you know, a super heavy run team. So, like you said, they're, they're going to play to their strengths. If they're running the ball well on the game, I think they'll keep running it. They'll take their shots. You know, like you said, that's what they did against Pittsburgh, and that that's probably when they were at their best. So, Absolutely. Maybe it shifts close. Maybe it shifts closer to like you know, closer to like a fifty-fifty balance. But it's never going to be you know sixty-forty run run the pass or anything like that. So maybe maybe that's where Sean's irritation was coming in was because it's been so heavily suggested and he just wanted to you know put a stop to that talk because it's probably not going to be true. When I when I envision the 2015 Saints offense, and I don't think we'll have time to get into the intricacies of the offense. I think that we'll save that for next week. But when I think about the perfect example of them playing well and, and effective, I think of two games from last season. I think of as our, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers game and the game against the Green, the Green Bay Packers, where Mark Ingram ran both games. Mark Ingram ran extremely well, but there's also you know those shot plays and you know typical Drew and all, all those. It's funny when Drew Brees had time in those games, he was accurate down the field and just throwing bombs to Brandon Cooks in the Green in the Green Bay game and Kenny Stills in the, in the Steelers game. That's how I am. Like if I think that's Sean Payton's you know in, vision of the offense of what he sees going forward. It, it isn't going to be you know. 60-40, it's still going to be – I mean, it's still going to be a Sean Payton offense. Yeah, no question about it. It's it, It'll be it'll be good if they can establish a run, and they're, they're definitely going to do that. The pieces are there. It's just like you said, it's just never – It's Sean Payton is never going to be a ground-and-pound dude. That's just not in his DNA. The guy loves the big play. They're going to go for the big play. They're going to get it. And if they can run the ball well, it'll help set all that up. So that's – that's going to be the 2015 Saints offense if everything works out. This is in. I've been. I was. 
I've been methodically thinking about when I wanted to ask this question because it can it can set us on a, on a tangent on on its own. <laughs> but with it, it, okay, I'm just gonna throw it out there. With what the Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy did this off season by him giving up the play calling duties, could you see Sean Payton letting Pete Carmichael? No. <laughs> you didn't even let me finish. No. Okay, so you're saying that he won't, which I I agree with. I don't I don't foresee that happening either. Second I mean, follow up question: Should he? Should he? You know, I I I I wasn't covering the Saints at the time, but I've heard that Pete Carmichael did a good job calling plays previously. Yeah, yeah. It, a lot of people have noted that um, the numbers agree with it, but I mean. I don't know, man. There were a handful of plays that maybe, you know, in hindsight, second guessing that that I would have done different. There were a couple, you know, fourth down stuffs where I thought they should have probably kicked the ball. But, you know, it, it's really hard for me to sit here and knock the offense when they led the league in yards last year. Sean wasn't throwing interceptions. He didn't make Drew Brees try to attempt to do something twice when he got wrapped up against Tampa Bay and, you know, through picks. And the third time in that game when he got wrapped up and almost threw a third pick, I mean, I think some of the mistakes were, you know, players just not executing as well as they should have. For me to sit here and, and question Sean Payton, I mean, I'm just I'm, – I'm not going to do that. I, I thought the offense, for the most part, was pretty solid last year, clean a few things up, and, and they're back to where they should be. Okay. But I, I, what, about, just... what about you? I mean, it seems like you got an opinion on that. No, I, I don't think my opinion differs than yours. And I think when when that 2011 Saints team or offense specifically is looked at, I think people have to remember three things, or at least at least two things. One, that offensive line had Carl Nix before he got before he went to Tampa Bay before he got hurt was an absolute stud, and the offensive line it really hasn't been the same since he left. Now, hopefully, it's better in 2015, but. The departure of Carl Nix was, was was huge, and 2000, 2011 probably was Darren Sproles' best season um, as a Saint in terms of just production and and things like that. So I don't know. I'm 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 on the mindset. You know, Sean Payton's going to call plays. I'm completely fine with that. But I, I, it'd be interesting to see perhaps maybe. During the off, not not the off season, not during preseason, like maybe who's calling plays? Because I, I remember, was it last season that there was like the experiment, or maybe the the season that Sean Payton came back from suspension? There was there was I think it was that season that Sean Payton came back from suspension, where I believe Carmichael called the games in the preseason, and then like before like the regular season, Sean Payton was like, "All right, I'm calling plays," which I called. But it's 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 an interesting, it's just a it's an interesting debate, you know. So. Um, so when I, I mean, just it, called, go ahead. They, they led the league in yards though. I mean, that, that's very important. Um, I believe their red zone percentage was around 60%. It could have been a little bit better. I, I just think if you take out some of those picks, they're going to, they're going to be better than ninth in the league in points per game. And just this question or any second guessing of Sean Payton at all as a play caller doesn't exist because you know, they're at the top of the league and everything. I, I just don't really know outside of taking away interceptions where they could have done, you know, a whole lot better where someone would think that maybe Pete Carmichael would have done a better job. It's just, it seems crazy to me to second guess them. If they falter this year at all, then maybe you talk about that. And then maybe the discussion around Peyton is a little bit more serious with, you know, if they have two seasons where they're under 500, but I don't envision that happening. And I'm going to give Sean the benefit of the doubt. He's done a good job all throughout his career. Last year was a down year. You know, just let's see how it goes. But to even bring this up seems it's a little crazy to me. And we'll, we'll I'll, have, I'll have a one mini cap question for you, and then I'll let you close out the mini cap observations. How you see fit? Should should I calm down my the way I feel about Stephon Anthony um, on the defense? Yes or no? Well, how do you how do you feel about Stephon Anthony? I'm very excited. How I'm excited? Very, very, 
like, like one to ten. Not, like okay, so if, if okay, let's let's have a scale. Like if ten is like Todd Gurley, I'm <laughs> probably a good seven point five for Stefan Anthony right now. So like your voice might just get a little bit more bass in it when you say yeah. his name or something. Yeah, I mean it might get a little hot. It might crack. Maybe I don't. I don't know. There might be a slight swoon. You don't. I don't think you understand how long it's been. I mean, it feels like Jonathan Vilma was on the team a decade ago, at least when he was like in his prime. We're we're in a division where Thomas Davis just signed. He he's had three knees gone, and last year he was faster than any of our linebackers. Keekly. Levante David, like I needed this, like I needed this. So, should I calm down or can I let my excitement like build? I'd say hold steady. I mean, the way these these practices are set up, it's basically like you know a passing camp with like guys in the front seven, kind of just you know standing around and chilling. Um, when he's not doing that and dropping back in a zone or something, he, he looks really good. It seems like he understands how to play in space really, really well. He can kind of run to the sidelines, get sideline to sideline a little bit. But, I mean, we're, we're not seeing him, you know, fully unleashed, I guess is how I would put it. I mean, there, there's just a lot of unknowns about what he can and can't do. But the things that I see that he can do are very good and very encouraging. So just keep it at a 7.5, wait till camp, kind of see how that first week goes, and then I'd let it build. Any final, anything final you want to say on, on minicap? And are are you doing anything for, like, the next six weeks? Are you going on vacation or anything? Uh, i got to work this week. Um, just kind of, you know, write up some things, the, the odds and ends, kind of set things up. And then I'm basically off the whole week of July until a couple of days before we leave for West Virginia and go stay in the hills for three weeks. <laughs> sounds sounds good. I mean, as, as long as you stay out of trouble and not not wreck any cars in the next six weeks, I, I think you'll be fine. Uh, uh, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, Ryan is actually called in, so let's get Ryan on the line and see what he has for us this evening. Ryan at that boy Wolf on Twitter. What's good? Yo, what's yeah, pretty pretty you already started drinking, man. After after the week that Ryan's had, and I, I mean, if 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 there was any medium that we should have used to start you like a GoFundMe for for your ride being stolen, this probably should have been oh, it. No. But man, you already know, man. Adam knows. Adam knows. What is going on this past week? <laughs> I don't I mean I don't mean I, mean, I don't mean to put your your business out like that, but I mean we could have helped you out if you if that was something that you needed. I'm just saying. Oh, oh really? Okay, I'll keep that in mind next time. Then. <laughs> what you got for us, man? Oh man, I just I wanted to come in and uh, you know, I, you guys were talking about the uh, the offensive changes that was talked about, uh, which I found I, I found those comments by by. Sean Payton and Breeze, interesting, you know, because you, usually every year, and I've been been listening to these presses for so long, every year is pretty much the same thing. Oh, you know, we're going to play our type of ball. We're going to play Saints football. This is what we do. Oh, yeah, we might throw in a few little wrinkles, but, you know, everything is pretty much the same every year. And if you've been watching the Saints long enough, you know, you pretty much know where the ball is going to go. And I think defense has started to figure that out too. So the here – to hear Drew Brees say, "Hey, we're installing more different things that I've ever seen, ever seen since we've been here," and Sean Payton say, "Hey, we, you know, we're doing all kinds of studies and we're installing this and that." That really that has me excited, man. So I want to know what what do you guys foresee? What are these schematic changes that you foresee? You know, what are some of the things? What are some of the things you would like to see? You know, that other teams are doing that the Saints haven't done you know, over the past few years? What are some things you would like to see our offense implement into their scheme? Because me personally, I would like to see a little no huddle, you know. Maybe not all the time. I know our defense can struggle at times. But if the game is going right, hey, step on their throat and let's go no huddle, you know. I'd like to see some unbalanced lines, you know, maybe seven, you know, six or seven linemen run the ball, 
you know, just some interesting things. So I just wanted to get you guys, see what you guys think and what we could uh, see going forward. Not holding this. I'm, I'm not sure I would call them uh, dramatic changes. I, I just I think they're going to just be some, you know, different things added on top of what they were already doing. But I would say I, I think maybe what helped prompt some of this is that you go into this offense after – this offseason after losing, you know, Jimmy Graham and Kenny Stills, and maybe the offense is a little bit undefined. So it kind of maybe opens up the option to let your mind run a little bit while you aren't thinking about like how to do things within the constraints of your personnel. It's kind of more of, you know, I don't want to say a blank slate because you got holdovers like cooks and Colson, but it, it's more blank than maybe it was in previous years. So maybe you're right. watching a team do something and, and it's not like, well, th- this is cool, but it wouldn't work with Jimmy Graham. You, you can just kind of go ahead and do those things. But as far as what I would like to see, you know, I used to cover a team that, that loved no huddle. They ran, you know, a one-word offense, they go out there and, you know, they were calling plays just saying one word, and it was at hyperspeed. Defenses couldn't get guys off the field. They were just wearing them out, just, you know, play after play after play. And, you know, I, I think the Saints have the personnel to kind of do some of those things. Just like you said, go out there and step on their throat. And for me personally, I, I'd like to see them go at warp speed now and then. And then, as I mentioned earlier, with a guy like Spiller, in, in New England, Aaron Hernandez was kind of that chess piece that could, you know, he'd run the ball and line up all over the oh, formation. They could, ch- they could change up their looks. Hey, man, he was a good football player. <laughs> Whatever he did, he wasn't a good human. He was a good football player, and he was the key to that offense. And I could see C.J. Spiller kind of being the same guy that could kind of give them the ability to, to take their no huddle to the next level and just really make it something special. I think uh, just cool. if I'm speaking from a fan's perspective, if I'm if I'm watching the Saints and I see a certain formation or a certain like alignment of how the offense comes out, I can already tell it's a shot play. And I'm at home watching the offense. So if I can tell that I and I can already call it like it's gonna be a it's gonna be a deep pass to, to Joe Morgan. Maybe we'll hit it, maybe we don't. And I think that when Sean Payton came in in two thousand six, you know, new offense, I think defenses has have figured out his scheme um, to a degree. And I I don't know. And I, I mean, you, it, it's hard to say that even though, you know, the offense put up the numbers that it put up. But I, I don't know if unpredictability is the word. Um, but I, if, if I'm a fan sitting at home, I can call the offensive play and be right about what the play is going to be. I'm assuming that a, a NFL defense would, could probably do the same. So I would I would like to see – Whatever can, changes that can shake up the offense is going to be. I, I want to see that, and I think when when the Saints the Saints have three good tackles right now. They have Toron Armstead, they have Jack Streif, and they have Andres Pete. Whoever wins that battle at rack tackle is going to win that that battle, and whoever that that odd man out who doesn't win it, use that use that player as an asset. Go unbalanced. Sure. Be be the San Francisco 49ers. And I know uh, the the running back coach, this my mind right now, he came from Arkansas. I, Arkansas was a very, I mean, I'm not going to say I've, I've broken down Arkansas extensively, but, you know, what I did see of them when I was thinking about prepping for this is Arkansas was a very run-heavy team. Like, they were just smash-mouth. And I believe they ran some quite a bit of, like, unbalanced line as well. Use those as, I mean, at some point, Zach Chief's not going to be on the team anymore. It might be... You know, it might be next year, it might be two years from now. It's probably going to be next year more than likely, you know. So while you have two, three good tackles, utilize them and, and, and wear on defenses and, and use those use those to your strengths before that, that asset's gone. So those are probably the two big things I say is just more unpredictability and, and just, you know, more, you know, unbalanced line and, and things like that. Or maybe just more pistol. I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a, you know, obviously, you know, Drew B isn't going to run any – read option or anything like that, but, you know, I know the, I know they used the pistol last season as well, but, you know, maybe it's only more pistol into the offense wouldn't, wouldn't hurt either. I'll tell you what I don't want to see is I don't want to see the stupid reverse wide receiver sweep or whatever it was, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> that they would run in, like, the first seven plays of every game. Get rid of that. Or if you're going to do it, like, just don't do it in the first seven to ten plays. It seemed like for, like, five or six weeks, They'd run that play every time, and it gets stuck. I hated it. Get Although, rid of that. I, it, it did work against the Ravens 
that it, one it uh, nugget. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I I never want to see a, a end around handoff to Josh Hill ever again, as, as long as I live against the Jets on fourth and one. I don't ever want to see that ever again. But but that's <laughs> that's just me. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Ryan, great question. Um, I don't know if we're gonna like we have a a themed episode of just talking about the 2015 Saints offense. And I think this is a good setup for that where we're going to get even more into it, but great, great, fantastic questions. So thank you for calling in, man. Yeah. Thanks, man. Cool, man. Thank you. Very, this is very football head ish, (laughs) very football head ish type of, podcast but that's that's good i mean we 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 had a lot to cover um you know being awful week and things like that so um let's get on some things that kind of happened while we were gone the same sign uh signed kevin williams uh defensive tackle formerly of the minnesota vikings of, of a long time last year was of the seattle seahawks uh, getting more help, interior pressure on the defensive line. I, Sean Payton said, you know, it wasn't because of the injuries at that position, but you know, um, a lot of the defensive tackles kind of set out, um, you know, the mini cap and, and things like that. But I, I, when he said when he said that it wasn't due to the injuries on the team, actually, I believed him. I mean, it, I, don't, I mean, uh, I, I haven't done it yet. Maybe it's something that we could do. But like just looking at you know what Kevin Williams provided, you know, just for the Seahawks last season, you know, he was still a pretty decent player, so there isn't a lot of depth on that at that position that's proven. Um, Nakeem Hicks has been inconsistent. John Jenkins had good rookie season, was almost non-existent last year. Maybe that was due to him coming off an injury, never gotten into shape, whatever that may be. Like, it's, it's, it's one of the low-key more glaring needs of positions that need to that needs to does well this season for the defense to be successful, personally, in my opinion. Man, I was getting killed before the draft when I was talking about getting a defensive tackle. It's one of the first-round picks. And it's for that reason. The, the defensive tackles last year, just they were extremely underwhelming to me. Again, last year was my first year covering this team. Seeing what I saw last year, I was underwhelmed by, I don't know, pretty much everybody. And then Tyron Walker was one of the few bright spots, and he take him off the team. <laughs> Deuces. <laughs> you take him off the team, and you just don't have some of the depth there. Um, and if Kevin Williams can come in and do the things he did in Seattle and be an asset for this team, it, that's something they definitely need. As far as at the top of that depth chart, you know, maybe one of the guys that you want to look at possibly in nickel packages, which the Saints are in 65 70% of the, the time, and that will probably remain true next year, is possibly Cam Jordan maybe moves inside it in those top packages with, you know, Gallette and Kakaha or Gallette and Spencer shooting off the edges. So maybe he gives you some of that interior push that you're looking for, at least in spots, if not, you know, heavily. So, Maybe you get Hicks and Jordan there at the top, and then if Williams is, you know, what he was last year, maybe he comes in and, and he's he's your depth there. I, I just don't – I'm willing to be surprised by anybody, but I'm just – I wouldn't put my money on Jenkins and Bunkley and Glenn Foster and all those other guys being the answer for depth. So going out and getting Williams I, I think was a good move. And he was pretty cheap too. So I think $1.5 million cap hit can go up to a 2.1 if he hits a certain playtime incentive. So it's definitely worth the risk. I believe you tweeted out earlier that approximately, I believe the same, the salary cap for the Saints right now is about two point six million, give or take. Yeah. Do you, is that is there any feasible way that if they wanted to, if they wanted to sign um, Jermaine Gresham, do you think it's possible? <sighs> Probably. I mean, just simply because it doesn't seem like there's a ton of people lining up to get him right now. He had the back injury. Um, you know, if he was a safe guy to acquire, I, I think that would have already happen. He could probably come in on, on a deal similar to the one that, that they gave Williams or maybe even less. I mean, if, if they got him to sign for the minimum, that there'd be a, a minimum salary benefit probably. I'd have to look at his service time and everything to see if he qualified. But they could probably get him under if he was willing to come here and just play for dirt cheap money 
build back up his stock and then hit the market next year and get paid like he probably should have should have gotten paid or would have gotten paid if he was healthy. Something else that ha- there's actually two things that happened. So our last podcast was the sadness and we were all in our fills because of the the report that Gillette may be out the extended period of time with the pec injury. And then sometime last week, the infamous video got released. And then this weekend, like, <laughs> there was like, oh, it's okay, you can party again. He's probably going to be okay for week one. And then he spoke to the media for the first time yesterday. Uh, if you, as succinct as possible, because we could spend, we have like 15 minutes left, we could spend the last 15 minutes talking about the subject in general. What What is your overall thoughts and impressions of the whole situation and more importantly like whatever's going to happen this season is going to happen I mean, he's scheduled to meet later i believe later in the month with the nfl about the off the field thing if you were the gm or if you were sean payton and we're looking at fast forward to the off season for next year what would you do uh i, I really think it depends on what he does this year if he if he comes out this year and he's a you know, 10, 12, 15 sack guy, and he does all the right things in the locker room, you, you keep him around because he's worth the money and he'd be one of the better pass rushers in the NFL, which I think, you know, he probably is right now. PFF's pass rushing, pass rushing efficiency statistics had him, I believe, eighth in the league last year. So, I mean, you got the eighth most efficient pass rusher in the league, and people want to turn him into a villain and cut him because he dissed some old guys last year. And let's be honest, based on the evidence we have, some, you know, shady woman, you know, tried to get in his pockets or tried to get him in trouble for, for something that possibly didn't happen. The police threw the case out. So, I don't know. There isn't a lot there. And then he's in a video acting like an idiot, stunting his gold chain, sure. I mean, he, he's, he's surrounded himself with, with probably not the greatest people in the world. But, I mean, these are the people he probably came up with. I, I, I don't blame him for cutting everybody he's known in his life, you know, out of his social picture. So if you want to, you know, drag the guy's name through dirt, you're doing it primarily based on a situation with a woman that looked bad. And, okay, Ryan Griffin goes out to a bar and gets his head cracked with a bottle. And he probably <laughs> does he, does he live in Hollygrove? Like, does that where Ryan <laughs> But my point here, and, and this might be a wild stretch, but, like, if Junior Gallette was in a bar and got his head cracked with a bottle, social media would be lighting up, asking what Junior did to prompt that situation. Like, Ryan Griffin gets hit in the head with a bottle, and nobody wants to say anything. It's <laughs> That's just, a good he point. Walked, he walked to the bar point. and got hit. And maybe he didn't do anything, but, like, people are dragging Junior's name through mud for, for things that – primarily on a situation that might or might not be real. Nobody stopped to consider, like, did this woman try to run up in his pockets? Is Junior a victim here? The case got dropped. She's off in the wind. She filed a a lawsuit against him, which really looks like she read the Darren Sharper playbook and tried to throw in things about drugging and rape and everything that Sharper did, and then she disappears. And people want to act like Junior's this terrible guy because of it. It's I don't know. The facts aren't there to make that leap for me. And that wasn't short and succinct. I, I went on a rant. <laughs> but it is what it is, man. I'll, this is – Can I, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't I – don't, my opinion about those situations, I guess, for Gilles is, is in the middle. But this is – let me play devil's advocate. So, Jimmy Graham and Kenny Stills were traded because, A, they were assets – and B, from everything that we heard in the offseason, there was something, whether it be attitude or whatever you want to call it, there was something with both that led them to be traded. Because especially if you, because you don't trade those type of players if if it's just if they're assets. Can we agree on that? Like if it was just for gaining assets, you probably don't trade a young good right receiver who's making peanuts and one of the the better offensive weapons regardless of position in the league. It, I, I I would say that that we could both agree on that. So maybe 
Maybe. I mean, I, right. I, don't, I don't know anything to suggest that. Maybe Jimmy was a preemptive cap move and you maximize his value. And maybe you look at Kenny Stills like we took him in the fifth round, we can get a third-round pick now and a linebacker that we need, and let's make this move. We moved up two rounds and got another asset. But possibly there was something there. Okay, so let's, you were let's, going somewhere with this. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you keep going. So if there was, okay. So this again, I'm, I'm in the middle, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, so I'm playing devil's advocate. If there, if that is, if there's any relevance to the truth that there was something there with those two players regarding whatever attitude, whatever you want to call it, then is it not hypocritical? And in terms of just Jimmy Graham. Kenny Stills, nothing outwardly was in our face, for the most part, I I would say. Like, nothing was reported, right? Right. Is that not hypocritical to to give him the benefit of the doubt and for him to stay on the team? Again, devil's advocate, just – we're just having a conversation. Possibly. And I'll say this on Junior. I mean, he's done some things that – weren't smart. He doesn't do a whole lot to help himself. He'd probably be better, you know, staying just behind the scenes, giving very bland answers to the media. I, I think his problem is that, you know, he, he just tries to be honest and say what he thinks and he doesn't think about the ramifications. And maybe he does some of that with his teammates. Maybe he's not the greatest teammate. Maybe they really do want him out of there, but the big hurdle and if they wanted to get him out of there, would have been his contract. I mean, contract. you cut him, you yep. got a massive hit, and you can't trade him with that deal. So, I mean, the other guys were more movable than him. Maybe they entered the offseason wanting to get rid of him, but give him what he does on the field, and if he's not just this black mass of a cancer that's sucking the life out of everything, you keep him around and try to manage him and, and hope he grows up. And I will say, he, he's got some growing up to do. I mean, he, he made some comments, and he's like, that's, you know, like that video on that, and he's like, that's just what you do when you're 27. I mean, no, it's not. That's what you do when you're 17. I mean, come <laughs> like, on, what? I'm, I'm 27. That's like the last thing that's on my mind to do. <laughs> okay. Um, again, it's a good conversation, good for us to just to talk about. Um, uh, we've been very heavy. Um, I, let's get into we'll, – we'll st- you know what? We got a really good email from Kevin on Twitter. He's at wash underscore Kevin. You guys got to work on the underscore thing. It kills the whole, the whole mood. Um, but basically, and we won't get to all of them, but I wanted to talk about at least two of them today. Um, and anyone who sent in questions or anything like that, we'll, we'll answer them. Um, this ran, we ran longer on things that we didn't think we were going to, but it's all been good, hearty discussion. So as long as we're having a good, hearty discussion, that, that's all I really care about. Um, but basically, it's it's putting two players against each other and, and just telling who's more valuable. So he sent in five matchups, if you want to call them that. Um, we have eight minutes left, so we have to be succinct. I'm going to pick two. Uh, so who is more valuable between these two players on the team, Mark Ingram or C.J. Spiller? Ooh, I, I'm I'm going to go with Spiller simply because I think his versatility is going to be a major key to the offense. His presence is splitting out, playing out of the slot, running routes out of the backfield. I I just think that he's going to be just this major mismatch, and maybe my hopes are way too high for him. Whereas Ingram, who runs – I would put his value very close to Spiller's, but i got to give the nod to Spiller. I'm going to keep it short. I could rant on that for 20 minutes, but (laughs) I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to – I'm, I, I love I love CJ I've loved even when he was coming out as a, as a player that complained them I love CJ Spiller but I'm actually going to go with Mark Ingram and I'm, I'm going to keep it short for two reasons I'm going to make an analogy if you're if you're younger and you're and you're single to me this is going to what? actually sound oh, can can I finish my analogy first Let's say right, you're man. hypothetically younger and you're single. And you have someone that, you know, you could have fun with. It's going to be great. Or you have, that, or you have the person that, you, you know, you end up, you know, wifing and spending your life with. To me, like, C.J. Spiller is, like, you know, fun, love it, electric, exciting. But at the end of the day, like, Mark Ingram's always going to be there. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's probably the worst analogy 
Did you made? just wife Mark Ingram on this podcast? <laughs> I I didn't. But what is what and is I'll, happening? Another another thing I'll say is that I gotta go. When, when Kyrie Robertson got his chances last year, to me he kind of regressed in terms of the previous year. So I, I just for the offense to be sustaining and and to can you I I think there's more value for Mark Ingram personally. Love CJ Spiller, think the Ingram's higher on Mark Ingram. Um, let's do another one. Was I'll that was that, that just basically? Was that just based on your football feelings, or like were there Ab- other feelings? Absolutely, based on football feelings. It sounded like there was some other, there was something else going Absol- on there. Absolutely not. If this was Todd Gurley, we'd have, be having a different discussion, sir. Um, not, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, absolutely not. Um, Kakaha or Stefan Anthony? Oh, this is it's easy. I'm, I'm going to go with Anthony just because he feels a need that the team has, and there's probably nobody else on the roster that is going to do the things that he's going to do. I think Kakaha is going to be very good. I, I don't know if that's immediately or down the line, but at a certain point, I think he's going to be a very good pass rusher for this team. But I'm going with the guy that, that does the things that nobody else is going to do. So I, I don't really think this is much of a debate, at least in my eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not. I think, I mean, I don't even know how much Kakaha will play because to me right now, he's not an every down type of player. Um, and I think Stephon Anthony is going to be on the field three downs. He's going to be calling, you know, the offense, the, excuse me, the defensive plays. I, I, I don't, I don't really have there. I mean, in terms of what Kakaha can do in terms of rushing the passer and getting sacks, that's extremely valuable. But just in terms of just players and, and a vacuum, uh, give me Anthony. Actually, I think we actually have time for one more. And this was, this was, this one's good. This one's really good. Yeah. This is, this is the heavyweight. Uh, Jairus Bird or Keenan Lewis? Dude, man, you showed me these earlier, and this one, I don't even know. Like, I'm about to say a name, and, like, I'm not even sure I feel good about it now. Um, <laughs> no, no, I need you to be confident. we got to roll with it. Well, I could, I could go either way, but, I mean, I, I think I'll take Keenan. But they got more depth at cornerback now, so it's like, yeah, he's, like, still one of the most important guys on the defense. But if he goes out and, like, Bro's good and, and Browner's good, is it as big of a deal as it would have been? Like, in terms of value last year, Lewis, hands down, trumps everything. I'm going to take him, but I'm also going to say that I think this year Bird could be this the transformative piece of the defense. If he comes out and he's the bird he was in Buffalo and he's that, you know, ball hawk, he, he allows him to play some single high looks. Uh, we we don't got enough time. I'll, I'll just stick with Keenan. I'm gonna go with Keenan, but Bird is like right there. I, I I'm gonna go with Keenan, and and this debate is actually similar to the one that people have regarding the Seahawks defense in terms of like Richard Sherman or, or Earl Thomas. And most football minds typically slant towards Earl Thomas because of just what he's able to do with, especially being single high. But um, I I, I gotta go with Keenan Lewis, like because. Because then here, here's what happens. If if Lewis goes down, you ha- thankfully we have Brandon Browner, and that's knock on wood, so he doesn't. But if he went down, we have Brandon Browner, and then we have – there's still an unknown. There's an unknown right. there. So then, to me, the, we're, we're back we're back last season where it's whoever there's, – there's Keenan Lewis and then someone else. And now that's not me, that's not me seeing that bro might be, quote-unquote, someone else and play that poorly – I don't, you know, hopefully, but if that were to happen, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with Keenan Lewis. I just think he, he's a lot of the heart and soul of the defense. He, he's from New Orleans. I just, I, I just, it's hard for me to go against Keenan Lewis. And if he, and we, we've seen what he can do when he, when he's on his game. The, when the Saint, when 2013, you know, him shutting down Des Bryant on Sunday night football, him shutting down Deshaun Jackson against the Eagles. Uh, I mean, the the man can can play can play ball. He's and he's shut down some of the best wide receivers you know playing today. So that for me that that gives the the nudge to to Lewis. It, and it helped if we had seen Bird do Bird things here. It's like when you're talking about Bird, it's like well if he goes back to how he was in Buffalo, correct. You know we know what I think you know, we know what Lewis right. is going to do. Right, and that's not a knock on Bird. I, I think he's going to go back to that, but. If he had done that last year and I, we were having this discussion now, I'd probably give it to Bird because 
I just think he can be that special, but he needs to be that special before I give him the credit for being that special. We have we have two more. We're gonna we're gonna hold off on them. I, I, Kevin, who by the way, Kevin, I don't I don't can I call him a groupie? That, no, I don't want to call him a groupie. I'm gonna call you a groupie. His avatar on Twitter is actually the icon of the podcast. I I don't I mean I mean I would do it, but I think I'm too handsome to, and I'm kind of vain, so I'm just. Oh. I, I, I mean, that's just that's just me. That just that was a joke. Oh, right? I, I don't actually, I don't actually subscribe <laughs> to that. But um, episode four, we're back. You know, we plan to have another one next week. This is a very football heady, headish type of conversation, but it's good. I enjoyed it. You know, we discussed actually a lot. Again, I'm Adam West. Follow me on Twitter oh, at Ask Me to Stay three two three. What what? Are, are you going to wipe another player on next week's episode? Wow, are are we? Do we, do we get to? Okay, first get to first of all, I didn't wipe Mark Ingram on the podcast. That making snarky comments over there is Nick Underhill of the Advocate. Read his things on the Saints. Follow him on Twitter at Nick underscore Underhill. We're out. And just before we go, going to play this because I. If you're listening to this, you think Adam White, Mark Ingram, tweet at me and let me know. <laughs>